Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Something a little bit different today. I went on to the weekly Rubdown Podcast. They do a Supercoach Draft Podcast. They do the best draft content in Rugby League. I harp on about it every few weeks. If you're a draft player, you need to be following the Rubdown. Nadia and Walker, the very best in the business. They've turned into really good mates of mine, and I just love everything they do. Criminally underrated when it comes to content. Draft, it is the best format of Supercoach, in my opinion. Even if you don't play draft, you should be listening to them because the tips they give are sensational. I went on the rub down. Me and Natty sat down. Natty went through my team, my draft team, fine-tooth comb sort of stuff, 1-17 to 17 that I picked, then all my waiver wire picks. We spoke about every player in depth, where I'm sitting with those guys. Uh, an unreal little bit of content. I enjoyed this one so much. It's one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done, to be perfectly honest with you. Really enjoyed going through it. Came off a loss last week in draft, but the players that I picked, it's all starting to come together. And, um, you know, Natty is one of my good mates, so we sort of give each other a bit of shit here and there, obviously. Uh, But just to hear how impressed he sort of was with my team at the moment fills me with uh, a bit of confidence moving forward. So as I said at the start, go and follow, subscribe to the weekly rubdown on everything on your phone, whether it be the podcast, the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it might be. Go and get around the boys because they are putting out sensational content and we need to be appreciating content creators that are going the extra mile for you guys. Weekly Rubdown, go follow them everywhere you can. I'll hand it over now to Natty to take a deep dive into my draft team for season 2022. Yeah, g'day rubbers. Welcome back to the Weekly Rubdown, a podcast where we rub down everything NRL Supercoach Draft. I've got our BFF, the guru, on here. He's got his draft team up for judgment. So we'll be rubbing down the one and only Garino Kanguru draft team. What's going on, bud? Yeah, mate, all going well. The uh, the nickname list is getting longer each week, unfortunately. I know. I, I tried uh, to remember more of them, but I only got two out. Oh, mate, <laughs> if, if you managed to get them all, I'd be very fucking impressed. Uh, <laughs> no, mate, all going well. Enjoying the draft season. A uh, couple of hits, couple of misses, plenty to dive into today. I've got a pretty diverse team this year. Took a few risks that some paid off, some haven't, so a heap to get into. 
Yeah, for sure, man. We'll um, we'll follow the same format as when you ran your eye over my team. We'll jump straight into your draft day. But before we get into that, why don't you tell everyone the setup of your league and the setup of your team? Yeah, so uh, my league, it's a 14-man league, so pretty fucking deep. Uh, everyone's very keen, so it's a pretty competitive uh, little comp. As far as our team makeup, once again, very deep. Uh, one hooker, two front rowers, three two RFs, uh, halfback a five eight, four CTWs, which is the big point of difference in our comp. Four CTWs in a fourteen man league, it gets pretty grim. One fullback, and then we have uh, four reserves. So uh, yeah, mate, it's a pretty, it's a very deep comp. Um, it's it's hard to find. You know, more than ten or twelve blokes that are as keen as my comp is, especially when you are playing four CTWs. It uh, it gets pretty wild. Yeah, and we talked about this when we were going over my team. Um, obviously, to, to to run it the way that you're running it, you need to have really keen super coach blokes, blokes, blokes that are going to do their study, blokes that are going to keep invested in the comp year long, even though that's pretty hard yakka on the waivers and free agents. Whereas my league, cunts would just get over it. If yeah. there was nothing to do on the waivers and free agents, I think blokes would just start sort of teetering off towards the end of the year. So to keep them involved, I've had to keep, you know, drop the players down and keep more action on the waivers. But it definitely works really good for you guys because you've got keen super coach players, draft players that, you know, are going to do the work and do the study to try and find those nuggets of gold and free agents and waivers that, you know, you might have to sift through a lot of shift shit to get to. Uh, mate, that, there is so much fucking shit that you have to sift through. It is just ridiculous. <laughs> our, our, like, honestly, our waiver wire, I spend an hour every, you know, Wednesday night on it, an hour and a half sometimes, and I'm deciding between guys that realistically should probably be playing reserve grade. It's wild. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, sometimes, um, like, you ask me so, some some opinions on the, on waivers and stuff that you got going on, and the guys you throw up, I go, What? Yeah, Please. oh mate, it's ridiculous, and <laughs> and that's the hard thing with draft. You get your really keen players that absolutely love draft that are in, that are that are in like re- really deep leagues like I am, and it's so hard to find content that's relevant for it. But then you know mm. I see it from your side and from my side as well. You try and make content for those leagues, and it's unrelatable to so many people as well. It's a it's a really hard thing to work out your uh, content for draft. That's why I love you blokes, just because you do it so well and your balance is just so perfect. Yeah, cheers, bro. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the thing. Like you guys, because you've been doing it for so long and you've been doing it this way, it would be really difficult to change anything now. And that'd be the same with my league as well. They're so set in their ways and the way that they play. Like if I all of a sudden, you know, made it seventeen players that we had to draft and there was less work on the waivers, it would just rattle everyone in my yep. league. So if it works and everyone's good with it, you just keep it rolling along nicely. Yeah, and I suppose the one thing that I didn't mention, of course, my comp is a captain's league as well. So well, uh, you, you're not a coward, so No, we're not a coward's we, league. Um yeah, there's many things you could cause, but cowards <laughs> uh most of the time not one of them. All right, bro, give me uh, where you picked, so uh, your draft position, and what you, what did you have to do to get that draft position? Yeah, mate, our, um, it's only the second year we've done our draft challenges on draft day. I actually came f- from you guys, and um, 
we've got got a real mix in our comp of you know about ten guys that are my age and about four blokes that are either fathers of guys in our comp or some of their mates. So there's a bit of an age gap. So it's sort of it became there was a lot of conversation about how we're going to do the challenges. Is it going to be super physical because we don't want to obviously put those boys um, that are a, a little bit older, you know, out of contention to to get a good spot. So the guy that won it last year, he he did really well with the challenges. They were good. He actually won it this year as well. So he had to pick the challenges again. Fuck. So. Um, yeah, a little bit of pressure on him. Like I, I, mm. I, I think ideally he would have been stoked to hand it off to someone else, but he did well. Um, from memory, we had like a you know no, nothing too crazy, like a tennis ball trying to get it into a bucket. The further away you got it from, from your three shots, the more points you got. That sort of shit. It was flicking a coin Mate, at a wall. Um, sometimes those the simplest of games can be the most enjoyable ones. And like if you try and was. go too far over the top, it yep. can just fucking flop. But then all of a sudden you're trying to – we did one year we chucked a thong, like a, yep. a, a plugger, into a bucket, and everyone was just frothing over that game. Yeah, mate, and that's the unreal stuff. We, we were out on the – like we, we go down the south coast for it, so we were out on the road with families walking past us with 14 blokes trying to chuck a tennis ball into a bucket and screaming and yelling the entire time. You know, it was a big day, but uh, – The best. Mate, I ended up with – the fourth overall pick? Yeah, fourth overall mm. pick, which I was very Perfect. happy with. Um, ended up with Ryan Pappenhausen. So it went uh, – Turbo went first, Cleary second, Teddy, uh, then me in fourth. So I was pretty happy with how that played out. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a cracking draft day. That was the big play, wasn't it? Trying to get in that top four. Like, if you got in that top four, you were just fucking stoked for draft day. I slipped down to six, which I was devastated with, but I just got too drunk too quick, and the the challenges got on top of me. But, mate, pick four, that's beautiful. Ryan Pappenhausen, that just is a nice little segue into draft day, mate. So... Ryan Pappenhausen, that's been a superb pick for you. Um, I mean, what is he averaging now? Almost 100? Yeah, he, he's sitting at around 95. It's um, I'll talk about it more as the podcast goes on, but when I first started planning this one, I actually put my team into three columns, guys I'm stoked with, guys I'm happy with, and guys that are a little bit of a letdown. And this, of course, was last week. And all the guys that I put in the Stoke column, they went to complete shit this week. And all the guys I put down <laughs> the letdown, they all went. I think the lowest out of the order of them was was eighty three this week. So um, that's draft for you. That is draft down to a T. So I'm kind of glad we didn't record it last week because anyone listening to it today would just think I'm a fucking moron. Um, <laughs> but yeah, pap- happy mate, first pick, very happy with him. Obviously, uh, his scores are pushed up by that big 195 the other day. But uh, mate, that's the sort of guy Pappenhausen is. It won't be the last time he does something like that realistically when you're goal kicking in that side um those big moments they are going to come you know the big stats um that help ryan pappenhausen and i talk about this with the random stats guy on our chase your losses podcast for punting is the storm average like six line breaks a a game right Uh, which is the highest in the league and ryan pappenhausen averages six support plays a game. Yeah. Now, if you've got a team that's making that many line breaks and a player that's supporting those line breaks as much as he does, you're going to score tries. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you have a look at his scores uh, from the first few weeks, he just he does it in so many ways. Like he he obviously didn't goal kick in the early in the first few weeks, and he still came up with seventy one and fifty one and. You know, you have a look at the last two. Like, he scored 107 against Parramatta, and he had 40 evading stats and no creative stats. Then the next week, he went 40 evading stats and 32 creative stats. Like, he can just... 
He can beat you in, in, in so many ways, Pappy, and yeah, I'm so stoked with him as my first pick, despite the weekend being very disappointing with a 39 there. Um, it sort of cost me, or it, it did cost me the win on the weekend, realistically, but fuck, I was nervous when he went off with the HIA, bro. <laughs> it's oh, just big time. I thought that as well. I was like, oh, God, what's this going to be? Like, yeah. is he going to be out for the next six weeks now? Like, fuck. So, yeah, yeah, lucky it turned out the way it did. Um, before we move on, I just want to say the way that the Storm have built their attack, it, it does lend itself for just all Pappy. I yep. mean, the way that Harry Grant gets out of dummy half and creates space, space up the guts. And then also Jerome Hughes, it's almost like they're one big brain, Hughes and Pappenhausen. He knows where he's going to be at all times. Um, so those two players, as long as they're playing good football, Ryan Pappenhausen will be scoring a lot of super coach points. And I think the other thing with Melbourne at the moment, so far this season, it just feels like every week, one or two of their spine players really stand up. Sometimes it's Pappy, sometimes it isn't. I just feel like... As they start to gel as the season goes on, when they when all four of them start to stand up, I, I feel like Pappy's going to be the major winner out of that. Obviously, he's going to be the goal kicker and he's the best support player. Whenever Harry Grant makes a break, you know Pappy's going to be there. Whenever it's Hughes or Munster, you, you know that Pappy's going to be up through the middle. So, um, obviously, coming off his worst week with a 39-point score, but I just think the potential for the rest of the season is scary. Oh. I'm really confident with Pappy, especially uh, in a captain's league. Mate, we haven't even seen the Storm polished yet this is this is the ugly storm we're seeing right now Mate, when you know, they're, like, they're not even close to polished yeah yeah so once that starts clicking i mean fuck me all right let's move on to your next pick and this is probably the most disappointing pick from my point of view here with you and yep. aiken picked him second round uh pick 25 now i can't remember where he went in my league but it was a lot further down than mm. this um, I probably had him going well, in your league. Probably would have had him going maybe in round three after Stags. Now, in hindsight, obviously picking Aiken before Stags is a, is a good pick. At the moment, we did see Stags absolutely fucking branded on the weekend. Yeah. But just tell me where your head was at here for you and Aiken. Um, second pick for you. Yeah. Look, I I did potentially go uh, a little bit early here on Aiken. Um, I think that. I think that also what people need to consider for most draft players, they aren't in a deep league like mine. So when you consider where I took Aitken, it seems it seems early, which it was, but in a 14-man league, it was still pick, you know, 23, 25 or something along those lines. I've got it in front of me here. What was it? P pick 25, yeah. So look, still a little bit early, but I knew how my draft day was going to play out. I knew that I was going to get Katoni Staggs. I knew that no one else was going to gamble on him like I would. I knew I was going to get Tago. I knew no one else would gamble on him there. So... Once I had Pappy, I sort of thought I want to I want to just get a really solid player here. The dual position I, th I thought was sensational to have, and it's proven to be really good so far this season. And I looked at you and Aiken, and I just I sort of thought that if I don't get him now, I don't think I will get him. And I want to have him and Stags. They were the two guys that I that I, I was sort of aiming for because I wanted to have my high ceilings, and I wanted to have a guy to play in the second row as well because. There was a couple of CTWs, and we'll talk about them later, that I have my eyes on that are starting to pay dividends now. So, Aitken, I potentially did go him early, but I feel like if I didn't, I wouldn't have got him. And to be fair, he hasn't been as good as what I thought he would be, but hopefully what we saw on the weekend uh, can become the new norm. 57 base starts. Yeah, went to extra time. He played an extra four minutes there. But uh, if he can get 50 base starts and then score the occasional try, which he will in this side, um, it's not ideal, but fuck it. It could be heaps worse, you know? I tell you what, in your defense, 
uh, the Warriors last year, their attack was pretty much wholeheartedly centered around their edge back rowers. I mean, yep. their edge back rowers were scoring like 40% of their total tries. Now with SJ on the side, we're obviously seeing them play a little bit more expansive football and probably going to the centers and wingers more often, obviously with Walsh chiming in with the sweep. And so we haven't seen them go to their edge back rows. Now, if Warriors were playing like they were last year, you'd probably see you and Aiken with an average of 65-70 yep. this year. So in your defense, like if that if it had worked out and they were attacking like they were last year, then it would have been a really good pick. And I mean, mate, I as, mean, as you said, if they were doing what they were doing last year, a 65-70 average, he's averaging 62 at the moment. So he's yeah. not he's not that far off. And the other thing for yeah. Aiken that stood out for me is that, I, and I'm really big, as, as your listeners would know from listening to me dri- dribble with you so much, I'm really big on the finals run. In the finals, mm. he plays Canterbury, North Queensland, Penrith, than the Gold Coast. Now, if all goes to plan, um, I, I will have him for Canterbury, North Queensland, and the Gold Coast Titans, which are matchups that I really, really like uh, for Aiken. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's eyes up. That's smart footy. Looking at the the um, the strength of schedule there for your finals. Um, all right, mate. Let's move on to your boy. Um, so third pick overall for you, number thirty two overall, Katoni Stags. Now up until the weekend. Um, I mean, he was kicking a can down the street. He was fucked. Yep. Um, and then comes out and just absolutely fucking brains it. And I've heard you talk about this on a few of your podcasts. You know, Paul Momorowski, one of the best defensive centers in the game, and he made him look like Ash Taylor. Yeah, uh, Katoni bounced back in a big way uh, last week. And, you know, as much as Katoni hasn't been impressive, he's been far from impressive. He's, he's been pretty hopeless, let's be perfectly honest here. Um, I mean, the last three weeks, he scored 30s, and in every one of those games, there's been a play that he should have scored off or that he should have offloaded to, which all of a sudden becomes a 60, you know. So to see him play that way against the Sydney Roosters, I, I really hope it's a turning point for him. Uh, the last two weeks... His base stats have been 36 and 35, which, you know, in week one, it was 15, and it was absolute fucking panic stations for me. So hopefully something has clicked with Katoni. Um, he's a guy that I've always been very high on. He was coming off an injury, so I felt like I could... To be honest with you, where I got him, I actually, in my mind, I feel like I did get a little bit of value, and I think as the season yeah. goes on, it will turn out to be a value pick, and... Mate, I just, in a deep league like mine, the last thing in the world you want to be doing during the season is trying to find CTWs. So I really wanted to lock up these spots. I would rather give away early picks and get strong CTWs that I know most weeks will outscore, or over the season will outscore a lot of guys by 15 to 20 points, rather than, and then try and find second row forwards and shit on the waiver wire and front row forwards. I'll talk about that strategy a little bit later, but. Mate, from where I was sitting to have those CTWs, Aiken and Stags, I was very happy at that point. Yeah, look, we had uh, we had Stags, Lomax, Toops, all bundled together around that sort of pick twenty eight all the way through to thirty five. So you're bang on for the value that we saw in Katoni Stags, and look, he's a confidence player. Um, he'll probably go on now to string a few games um, of good attacking stats together. Um, not only that, he sort of came in a little bit sluggish, came in sort of like Latrell Mitchell, carrying a little bit extra weight, carrying a little bit of bulk as well, looking really big. So he's probably spent the last few weeks trying to sort that out and trying to get a little bit leaner and a little bit quicker and a bit of fitness, cardiovascular fitness under his belt as well. So look, 
I think he's you, – you were never going to get rid of him. You are never going to trade him. Yeah. What we saw in the weekend is what you get from him. He can turn a game on its fucking head. He can make 50 tackle breaks, score two tries, set two up, and all in one half of football. And, Natty, I'll just interrupt you there. Something you said there, which I agree with, but fuck, I was close. You said I would never trade him. I actually got close to trading him a couple of weeks ago. Now, the reason – and thank God I didn't because it would have blown up in my face and I would have felt like an idiot – I was originally going to trade him to the guy that has Brian To'o because I was going to stack Targo and To'o. Now that yep. Taylor May's come in, which I saw, I said all off-season that it's a matter of time until he did. I just thought he'd be on the right wing. I, I think there's a world where you could find To'o ends up on the right wing now because his left side's so good. So, mate, I'm glad that I didn't look too deeply into that trade, uh, and I'm glad that I've got Stags. And if he... You know, if he stays the rest of the season being the guy that I think he is, he doesn't even have to be as good as he was on the weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy with him. Just keep giving him early ball. It's as yep. simple as that. It's not It's not fucking rocket science. Just sling the ball out to him and see what he can do with it. Yeah, exactly right, and mate. And that's when he plays his best football. All right, mate, let's get into your fourth pick, number 53 overall, and that's Shmoli Olikawatu. Now, I have this bloke in my side also. Been a little bit underwhelming uh, so far this season. We saw a really good game from him on the weekend. Um, I'm big on him. I really am. I think what we'll see, we'll see more of him over the next few weeks with Turbo out because the Manly Seagulls will be a DCE more stacked attacking side. So I think you'll see Olikowatu running off DCE and, and trying to scoop up those little grubbers close to the line as well. So you'll probably see a real bump up in his average over the next three or four weeks. Um, what was your mindset with getting Shmoli? Uh Mate, I, I was really high on him. I, I, I actually, I remember sitting here one night talking to you and Walker and we were talking about Schuster saying how good he was. And I sort of said, fuck, when you look at Olikowatu's numbers, they're really not that much different. And I remember as you guys were talking, I was actually working out his numbers when he actually played 80 minutes. And it was it was actually that moment where I sort of thought to myself, fuck, I'm going to get this guy. This is the guy that I want in my uh, 2RF. So, mate, to get, to get him fourth, I was stoked with that. I was very happy with that pick. Uh, he's a guy that is a captain option most weeks. I mean, to start the season, he hasn't blown it away, but fuck, like, Manly are so far from their best, and he's, he's carried a couple of injuries as well, and, you know, like, you know, to, to, to just put the cards on the table, I texted you last week and said, fuck, do, do, do I play this bloke or not? He was really quiet last week, and you and the, the other bloke, Steve, that I messaged who knows his super coach, said, yeah, definitely play him. And anyway, I didn't play him. He scored 83. I mean, if I would have played him, I probably would have won my game last week. So a lesson learned from me just to trust this guy that I backed in at the start of the season. Uh, I'm not really sure what, what I was thinking last week in hindsight, but he's a guy as well that when I looked at his draw on the way home, you know, if I play week one and I'm a top four team and I win, uh, I'll have week two off. So if finals week one, he plays the Gold Coast. Then week three, he plays Canberra. Week four, he plays the Bulldogs. So he could be the highest scoring forward in Supercoach when, when I'm playing finals footy uh, then. So, yeah, mate, absolutely stoked where he is. And uh, he's a set and forget for me for the rest of the season. I won't be trying to outthink the room again. Yeah, fair, fair. Another thing to think about with Schmoley as well, and obviously um, I'm thinking a lot about it because I own him also, is if what I'm saying is true, if he's going to have a larger output while Turbo is out of this side and he's going to score a couple of tries just because that right edge is going to start firing more than it, the left, because obviously we know that the Manly's left edge attack is more dominant with Turbo in the side. He just loves that sweep. Now, without Turbo on the side, if Schmoley starts firing up, scores a couple of tries, just before Turbo gets back... I'm going to be shot, shot, shopping Olakwato around. 
Mm. I'm just going to see if I can get something for him that's overs with his inflated average. Something to think about because I really do think that once Turbo comes back into the side, the dominance there will switch back to the left and you probably won't see as much ball that he that he is going to in the next sort of three or four weeks. Something to think about. Yeah, no, it's a fair shout. I, I think that um, in my comp, just how deep it is, I think I probably have to hold him, but is something to consider. There's another guy that I drafted a little bit later who I think will land in this team around Oluquatu, so we'll talk about him later, but there's also a combo there for me uh, that I'm keen to keep my eyes on. But, yeah, I mean, Oluquatu, if you, if you can sell him high before Turbo comes back, it is definitely something uh, to consider there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a sneaky play until I said that on this podcast. Now everyone will listen to it and won't <laughs> fucking buy him. All right. So your fifth pick overall, um, and then number 60 for the draft is your boy, Satili Tupanua. Now, we are both big on Satili just because of the attacking upside that he does present. When he comes up against poor defensive corridors, he scores tries. It's a fact. It's, it's as simple as that. I always look up... Who, what half he's running at, and does that half have a good defensive second rower next to him? If if it's a good defensive matchup, he is an ATS for me every week in my same game multis. Um, his base isn't great, but that's what you get with Satili. You're going to get those big games where he scores tries, gets plenty of super coach points, and then he's going to go back to those sort of high 30s, 40s with his base. But... Yeah, look, I like this pick. I think it's value. I think it's you know it's probably where I would have taken him as well. Uh, what's your thoughts? Has your opinion changed on Satili with the whole fucking deck of cards that's just been thrown up in the air and the Roosters players have just fallen in all different positions? Mate, uh, Satili is... He's probably the one guy that I've drafted that he's been exactly who I thought he would be. Um, he has, I think he scored two tries already. He's also he's already, he's already bombed another two tries as well. I I made the call in the process, and I thought he'd score more tries than uh, David Fafita this year, which was pretty wild at the time. But I mean, he's he scored two. Fafita scored one, I believe. But he's bombed. I mean, the, the one that he dropped on the weekend, fuck me, my absolute God. nightmare. And once oh my again, God. <laughs> another one. If he fucking holds it, I probably win last weekend. But anyway, um, I had an a- I had an ATS on him obviously uh, last week because the matchup was good. And when he bombed that try, I was fucking swearing the yeah. house down. And then he scored anyway. And oh, you're lucky, Satili. You're like, lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. And <laughs> like I, I have a look at him. He scored two tries in five weeks, which is good. Um, round two, he only played forty-seven minutes, so he, he went on. He went off just after halftime. He was on eighty-six. So and. Yeah, you you you'd know as well. In that game, Nat Butcher came on and took his spot and scored two fucking tries. So mm. I mean, that could have been a hundred and thirty point game, if not more, for uh, Satili Tupanua there. So I'm happy with how he's going, mate. Considering he played half a game there, he's he's averaging fifty five. The last two weeks, his base has improved out of sight. He's gone forty three, forty three. Um, exactly right. And I think having Angus Crichton on the bench and Nat Butcher doing so well, I think it's put a bit of a rocket up him to uh, to lift his game a little bit. He had a really poor defense game against South Sydney, missed a heap of tackles, and they, they really made him look silly that day. And I think that uh, since then, his base stats have improved. So I think that's been a little wake-up call for him. So Satili, considering the Roosters haven't gelled, they're nowhere near their best, uh, I'm really happy with him. I was worried at the start of the year when he swapped sides. I sort of went, fuck, this is not what I wanted. But, uh, mate, the longer the season goes, the more happy I am with him. Um, and to be honest with you, he's even though he's my what is he my fifth pick, he's actually not an automatic in my team every week. I've I've managed to get my hands on some other back rowers that are a little bit safer than him. 
And uh, considering yep. my team with Pappy and stuff, I'm not actually playing him every single week. He's sort of my fourth yep. um, second row forward at the moment, which is great. Streamer. Stream him in there against good matchups. Exactly. Um, yep. And obviously, so you drafted Satili thinking that he was running off uh, Kiri? Yeah, well, I assumed he'd be um, yeah on that right edge. He, he like and and they, as you said, the, the the deck of cards has been thrown in the air. So he's sort of he's been a bit all over the place. But mate, as long as he's on either of those edges, he's going to score tries. You know, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm happy to wear it with with, with him if if he can just keep his base stats at at a forty, and I can just play him for the good matchups. I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, nice. And the thing is, and I call this the red zone stack. Now, good attacking teams in the NRL are doing this where both halves are linking up on the same side of the ruck in the red zone when they're attacking. Now, when teams do that, it obviously spreads the defense and gives you more attacking options. So, like, you know, when Kiri joins uh, Walker on that left side, that's when you're going to get space and you can get Satili on, on the edge uh, running off the backside of someone or, you know, running a block play, and then you've got centers with space as well. So all the teams that do this red zone stack seem to be scoring bog points out the, out the back. So um, And Roosters do it perfectly. Another thing for the Roosters is, and we'll talk about this with this next guy as well, they have the second-best strength of schedule in the finals. You take out that Storm game in round 24, and it's by far the best. So, yeah. so you've got to keep that in mind as well. That's a nice uh, segue into the next guy that you picked up. That look, you might have thought you shit the bed, but now it's coming to fruition. You'd be rubbing your hands hands together. So sixth pick for you, eighty one overall. It's Kevin Naguama, the man of steel himself, playing on that right wing. We know that the real estate out there is fantastic, especially now playing outside Joey Manu, who is looking like a man possessed. Um, is he the best true center that we've ever seen? He's in the conversation. And as long as he's playing like that, Kevin Aguama is going to score tries. Um, what's your thoughts here, bro? Yeah, mate, a really interesting one to look back on. Uh, Naguama, I got him round six, which uh, I, I don't think we really had a market for what was early for Naguama, what was value, like where he should go. I, I reckon he'd be one of the guys in this competition that if you're you know, if you took where he was drafted in every comp, you would have so many different numbers that would be shot your way. So, mate, it sort of got to a point where I was really happy with my back rowers and my CTWs I had, and I hadn't really taken any big flyers yet. I was really confident with all the guys that I have. So I sort of went, you know what, I'll just take a punt on him hopefully landing on that right wing spot. Billy Smith obviously got it to start the season. He's now injured. Naguama's come in, which is all good and well. I'm happy with how it's going. Um, scored 34 on the weekend was probably got a pretty easy line break to get to 34 the week before that he scored a try and he got 56 so I'm happy with where he's placed in that side the scores haven't been great he's probably my fifth CTW realistically so mate I'm sort of just waiting to see when Billy Smith is fit if Billy Smith comes back into this side I think I'll probably drop Naguama straight away but if Billy Smith comes back and he's playing reserve grade and Naguama holds on to that spot He's another one that's probably a matchup sort of guy. He's a hard fellow because I'm looking at him going, it's good that he's in this side, but the points aren't, you know, the points aren't fantastic so far. And he's hard to trade because everyone's waiting for Billy Smith or obviously Sawali to come into this side. So, mate, I'm very I'm happy with Naguama, but I, I just I don't know where his future lies in my team, if you know what I mean. He, he he's a bit of a headache sort of sitting on my bench working out what I do with him. Yeah, for sure. Now, who are they playing this week? 
Because he has got a good matchup. Just trying to see. Yeah, so the Roosters are playing the Warriors. You're going to get a really good gauge on how Naguama is going to score in a very good statistical matchup. Now, yep. the Warriors' left edge is horrible, conceding over 50% of their tries down the edge, and the bulk of them are two right-wingers. They are the worst team when defending right-wingers. I think they're conceding about... 75 points a game on average to right-wingers. So it doesn't get any better for Kevin Naguama. So you're going to get a real good gauge on how he's going to go against a real poor defensive outfit against his position. And, you know, like, it's really good real estate being outside Joey Manu, but the way that Joey's playing in a sort of roaming sort of role, it kind of fucks their right-hand attack at times. Mm. But the times when it doesn't, Joey's so good that he can produce anything there. So, mate, as I said, I'm really, I mean, on paper, Naguama playing right wing for the Roosters is great, but I'm starting to worry if it's a bit of a mirage. But, you know, hopefully Billy Smith isn't back for another two or three weeks. They play the Warriors, Dragons, Canterbury, Gold Coast. It's a real opportunity for Kevin to really own that spot. Um, so, yeah, mate, he's a wait and see for me. And, mate, to be honest with you, even against the Warriors this week, I'm not sure if I'm going to play him because, as I said, my CTWs are very strong at the moment. So, uh, yeah, he's an interesting one, Naguama. I just wish his position was a little bit safer so I could mm. hopefully trade him to someone else. I think I think he's going to be a bit, yep. of a, a bit of a good headache for me moving forward. The best thing for someone that owns a player in that position, so Kevin Aguama, Billy Smith, whoever it might be, is if defences start selling the farm to stop Joey Manu. Yeah. Like the Viliami Kikau situation, where teams just stack everything to stop him, and it's just fucking miles of space out there. And if that happens, you might see a lot of tries for whoever's playing in that right wing spot. Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, mate, I, I, I sort of keep repeating myself because I don't know where I'm at with Naguama. I'm going to wait and see what happens. Um, I, I also just think, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, I, I just feel like it's a matter of time until Sawali probably does get back into this side realistically. I, I keep That's having a, a look at... That's a very interesting one. Yeah, mate, like I, I keep watching the... Um, the Bears and how they name their team every week. Sawali's so playing on the wing every single week. Like, it just sort of feels like they're preparing him to come into this side, you know? So, but in saying that, we know that Robbo, he loves an experienced winger. We know that he, you know, he, he's all for having those sort of guys in his side. I just, you know, and when I say that, I'm sort of looking back at guys, you know, like Brett Morris and Josh Morris, these sort of guys. But obviously, Naguama, he's got a lot more mistakes in him than those guys as well. So, mm. It's a, it's a hard one to work out with Naguama. It is, man. And with that Suwali call, I mean, is it the fact that they went out and bought all these, uh, you know, well, Kevin Naguama and obviously Billy Smith coming through and Paul Momorowski, is it so they didn't have to play Suwali and giving him more time in resis? Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, mate, that, that was the thing. I, I felt like listening to anyone else that does Supercoach content, everyone was saying that that spot is Suwali's and Naguama's the backup, and I just... I just don't He's understand that logic. Just, That's the yeah. Baby. I've never understood that logic, but so many content creators are running with that, and I, I've just sat there the whole time going, "Am I fucking missing something? Like, is there something mm. I'm not seeing with this footy side?" Oh, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm happy just to give it a few more weeks and see what happens. Uh, Naguama, he's killed it over there in the Super League. It's a different competition. I understand that, but he's experienced head, and I, I just can't see a world where. 
Naguama at 33, like realistically, he could have come back and, and gone to just about any side, in my opinion. I think there would have been a lot of sides willing to take a punt, probably for more money than what the Chooks would have paid. Um, so, yeah, mate, I, I've got no idea what I'm doing with him. Hopefully it works out, but if it doesn't, Honestly, mate, I'm not going to be that upset because it means I can drop him and then it gives me someone to screw around with on the waiver wire, you know? I feel like people, you know, the content creators that are saying, oh, Suwali is definitely, that's that that's his spot. I think they're letting their love for Supercoach and, and their love for him playing Supercoach and, you know, his price in Classic or whatever sort of cloud their judgment. Because yeah. at the end of the day, Rob, I didn't give a fuck about your Supercoach side. And the same thing with this experiment with Gussie. At the moment, it's working, having Gussie come off the bench, work him through the middle, get him experience playing the middle. I mean, when they brought Angus Crichton to the club, the first thing Robbo did was play him through the middle. Yeah. And that just gives him more options in his side to have a guy like Angus Crichton to be able to play middle and edge. You know, you've got an aging front row forward stock. You've got Siwa Takieha going overseas next year. Jared's probably only got a couple of years left in him. Collins easing his way back in from an ACL. It's working for Robbo. Why would he fucking use Gussie on an edge at the moment when he's got Nat Butcher and Satilli and he can use him through the middle and give these big boppers a rest? I mean, you've got to start thinking in rugby league terms before you think super coach terms because at the end of the day, like I said, these coaches don't give a fuck about your super coach side. Yeah, and we'll talk more about um, we'll talk more about Angus a little bit later because I've obviously I, I've picked up Nat Butcher off the waiver wire, which has been a good one for me. So I have got a few roosters, uh, but yeah, wait and see in the Guama. We'll see how we go. All right, mate, let's get into the next one, and this is by far the value pick of your draft um, and my draft because I own him also. Uh, so seventh pick for you, 88 overall. Fuck me, that's value. Isaac Tago, CTW, 2RF, dual eligible, just absolutely braining teams at the moment. He looks like a 10-year vet out there the way he's playing. Super solid in defense. Uh, his attack is just amazing. Even even when he's given zero opportunity, he's making something out of nothing. That center spot is his. Um, I mean, are you just rubbing it, rubbing it raw, rubbing the skin off it when you see Isaac Tago every week? Yeah, mate. I, I absolutely love watching this kid play. And um, you know, we, you know, we, we, without being cocky. The people that have listened to your podcast will know I talked about this kid all off season and said he's mm-hmm. the one. You need to go early on. You need to have him in your team. So to see nah, it play big, out the way big it cocky, does, bro, just claim it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I do that enough. People are well and truly <laughs> aware do. of that. So, but yeah, no, mate, I'm stoked with him. I mean, mate, we're we're at the end of week five. He's averaged sixty-seven. He's had he's had three tries taken off him on video replays mm. as well. I mean. That 67, if all of them go his way, which, you know, some of them have been a toe going over the sideline or an obstruction, you know, three guys in. Mate, he could have been averaging 80 by this point. So I'm absolutely stoked with how he's going. His base stats are exactly what I expected they'd be. He's averaging 33 at the moment. Um, has he missed a tackle this year yet? Well, mate, he has. That, that's the other thing. And I think it's something that... Because he's been so good, I think people have, you know, there was there was round, there was the, the they played Parramatta in a trial, and he, he got done by Gutho in that game. He missed a really poor tackle that Gutho scored off, and then he did it against Newcastle a few weeks ago. Dang, that guy really put it on him. But this is what I love about this kid, that when he, when he does miss a tackle, it almost sends him to a new level. Mm. He just goes, fuck it, I need to make up for this, and he just explodes. And if you go back and watch that Knights game, oh, well, I, I, I know no one will, but if you watch, Dane Gagai beats him off a scrum, makes him look silly. 
Um, he then goes on to score, I think, two tries and sets up three for Taylor May. Like, he just yep. he takes shit personally and he just explodes. Yep. And that's what I love about him. He's uh, Respectfully, like, he's got a bit of cunt in him, which I absolutely love about this 100%, guy. 100%. And I was just about to say, he fits right into this culture of the Panthers with these young blokes. Brash, bravado, yep. full of confidence, a little bit of, like you said, they've all got cunt in them. And they've all got a, that attitude of like, fuck you, we're better, and we're going to show you that we're better. And we don't care what you say, we don't care what you think, we're just going to beat you. Yeah, and, and he fits right into that. And like you have a look at his score from the weekend, it's his lowest score. It's his first time he's gone under 50. He scored 46, uh, didn't score a try, and mate, in the last half an hour, he took three or four hit-ups where he dropped the ball clean. So his negative stats from the weekend are minus 10. I mean... If he just holds on to those balls, they're all like he gains he, he gains ten points and then he also gains another, you know, ten points because he goes over eight meters every time. All of a sudden that forty six, it's a sixty six and he's done nothing. Yeah. It, it it's yeah. Like I said, I own him, so I just love him to bits. I'm sucking his dick all the way down yeah. to Chewy Center. And I love it that you can play him in your tool ref. In a game where we're all about the upside, that's where I'm playing Tago at the moment in my back row, which just means I've got a guy that, you know, has got super high upside and I can partner him with, you know, a couple of base guys. And all of a sudden, you know, my back row is looking sexy as fuck. And then I've got upside guys playing my CTW. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, mate. And, you know, like that, that that's the beauty of my CTWs at the moment. Like every weekend, I've got Aitken, Tago, Stags, you know, and then I substitute my fourth one between, you know, guys like Tomoko, Kula, Naguama. Like it's Ooh. just set, you know, and then, and as I said, yeah. I'm still leaving Satili Tupanua out of my back row most weeks because I've got three guys there I can rely on. So, mate, as far as the, the positions that you need to be deep in in my comp, but 2RF and center wing, and I'm absolutely stacked there. Love it, love it. And like you said, there's, I mean, if I had to bet on it, uh, it would be that May stays on the left, and I think that's that's fantastic for Tago. They seem to play really well together. Um, so I, I think that's only gr- good things for uh, Tago's Supercoach score if uh, May stays on that left. Yeah. All right, mate. Let's let's get into your next pick. So eighth pick for for you and 109 overall. Britton Nakora obviously started the season quite slow. He actually made it into the useless cunt punt segment uh, a few weeks ago. One of obviously, the great segments, by the way. One of the all-time great. All-time great segments. Now you can thank me for this because I. Just dropped him to the uh, the free agents, and then he went on to to actually start playing like we know he can play. So you can thank me for that. Um, then he's gone on to you know I think it was a couple of sixty plus games after the poor start. So yeah. mate, it's all looking up for Nakora at the moment. Obviously that right edge for the Sharks with Nico Hines playing amazing, and just everyone in that side at the moment is playing really well. So what's your thoughts with Nakora? Are you happy with him? Yeah, mate, oh, I'm very happy with how it's played out. Obviously the first two weeks were a little bit scary, but. Um, I think you could tell in those games that, you know, like they were just weird games of football where he didn't get as much ball as he should have. And then when they did have ball, he wasn't getting it. So he, like when they did dominate how much possession they had, he wasn't getting much ball. So he's making less tackles. Like after those first two weeks, I just sort of thought he's got more in him. So I didn't panic uh, too much about it. And, you know, the, the, yeah, that's the thing about my league. You can't really afford to panic on guys that you pick in the first 10 rounds. you sort of got to be a little bit patient with them. Um, yeah, and then since then, mate, like I, it's interesting because 
since then, he's played in the wet just about every week in, until last week. Um, and it seems to be in the wet. Britton Nakora seems to be one of those guys that if it's in the wet and it's against a good team, he's going to base start the living shit out of the game. Whereas when they tend to blow teams out, he can sort of go missing a little bit, which, mm. uh, which is my only sort of worry with him. But as I said, I, I can pick and choose when I play him, but... You know, the last three weeks, he went 49 base stats, 57 base stats. Last week, he only got 38, but he only played 60 minutes. Um, So, you know, and he only played 60 minutes because they were giving it to the Tigers, so they just gave him a little spell. And I sort of think they'll be able to do that less and less. With guys like Fanukin, Fafita, Wade Graham, Cam McInnes, I don't think Britton Nakora is going to become a normal guy that gets to have a spell as the season moves forward. So... I'm confident he'll 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 normally always be an 80 minute player after this and scored his first try last week, which is good to see. But it wasn't in an orthodox sort of way; it was off um, a kick and, and a rebound, and he he just sort of found it in the middle. So very happy, mate. Considering he's averaging 53, he went sub 40 in the first two out of five weeks, and he's only scored one try, and that try didn't have a line break with it. I'm pretty happy with where he's at. Yeah, 100%. We've got to remember as well, you know, Nico Hines is his half on that right edge, and he's just sort of working out what Britton Nakora is all about, how yep. he runs lines, where he wants to be. Um, also, you know, Britton is is um, trying to work out what Nico likes, like where he wants him to, to run, um, and those sort of combinations are going to take time. And when it does click, you know, you will see them link up close to the line because he's really hard to stop, really strong boy, and he will score more tries. So, yeah, look, I shit the bed there dropping him. I just rage traded him. That happens. Yeah, but, probably. I mean, in your comp that's a little bit more shallow, you, you can probably afford yeah. to do that and be okay. In my comp, you are sort of... You're forced to, when you would normally drop guys after two, you're sort of forced to hold them for six just to make yep. sure you're 100% spot on because if you miss it, you won't be able um, to replace them. So, mate, to yeah, be honest fair. with you, if, if, if in round three he would have gone 35 again, I, <laughs> I, I could be sitting here saying to you, I've shit the bed massively here, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah, I got lucky there. And if you have a look at my team that I've drafted so far, they're all guys with really good base who have attacking upside. All my second mm-hmm. rowers are guys that score tries regularly. So I had a strategy going into my draft that I was going to leave my halves and everything. So this is where my draft day sort of takes a bit of a turn and uh, a few interesting de- decisions over the next few rounds. Yeah, nice. Well, let's get in the next one, mate. It's pick 10. Uh, no, Hang on. Nine. I've skipped one here. Yeah. Oh, fuck. What is your pick nine? It's so not showing up here. Pick nine, thing. as I said, I had to start to work out uh, who was going to play in my halves. I had a strategy that unless I got Nathan Cleary, I was going to leave halfback. Unless I got Sweet. Munster, got I was going to leave 5'8". So my next guy, I got him. He's, he's a dual position guy that I, I personally, I think he's going to be a star of the future. Lachlan Ilias. Uh, mm. This has worked out really nice for you because at the moment, you know, I'm telling people to go out and get Lachlan Ilias. Yeah. You know, in 10-man leagues, he's available on waivers. He's available on free agents. And he's a guy that you need to go get. Like you said, 5'8", dual halfback, coming up with a superb run in the next 10 games. The finals strength of schedule is still pretty good. And we've seen him get better every game. So I think this is a, a fantastic pick from you. I'm sure at the start of the season, you would have been scratching your head just going, fuck, did I do the right thing? But patience is a virtue, and with that patience, we've seen Lachlan Ilias grow into a footballer where I'm looking at him now just uh, saying, 
man, he's got a future in the rugby league. He's going to be a fantastic halfback for the Bunnies. Yeah, mate, exactly. And, like, when you have a look at his stats uh, over the first few weeks, and realistically, he's a guy that he's going to have to create things to score points. He's not going to be a base stat guy. At absolute best, he'll get me 25 base stats, but I think he'll be closer to the 20 base stats sort of range. You look Mm -hmm. at his creative stats in the first five weeks. He went 8, 8, 10, 40, 30. So... You can just see he's starting to find his confidence. He's an awkward, moving little thing, which you know can sometimes pay dividends in in in, in Supercoach because he does he does things that the defense isn't anticipating. He, he sometimes he steps and dummies when he probably shouldn't, but sometimes that can make a guy like him hard to get a read on. And especially in this side when all eyes are always on Murray Walker Latrell, I just think Ilias, as the season goes on, he's going to get better and better and. Um, mate, to have him as a dual position guy, for me, that adds five to ten points in a deep league like mine. Um, yeah, I was never drafting Ilias for the first five weeks. I Honestly, if he would have averaged 20 points in the first five weeks, I would have said, okay, this is essentially round one in round six. This is where he's good. Yeah. This is where the good draw comes in. I think it's going to be a little blessing in disguise that Latrell Mitchell's out for the next ten weeks mm, for him. I was going to ask you about yeah. this, yeah. Great combination Blake with Blake Taff. Yeah, I think it's going to... Just take. I think it's going to fast forward his progression really quickly. So, mate, all, so I men mean, played a lot of football together, have they? Mate, they, they they won a comp together in reserve grade. They, they they've played a lot together in the halves together. Um, so for now, for them to be able to link up, sort of the like in a free flowing way of Blake Taft playing fullback and Ilias playing seven, I I think it's going to be so dangerous. So Ilias. It's crazy that I'm happy with my ninth pick who's scored over 50 once in the first five weeks and he's averaging 34, but I'm kind of stoked with where I'm at with him considering where you had to draw, you know, draft other halfbacks in this comp who I think over the next few weeks they're going to average the exact same, if not less, than him. No, I'm with you, mate, and I'm really deliberating about – I've got Toby Sexton and I'm almost looking at dropping Toby Sexton altogether and picking up Ilias. Yeah. And, you know, that's dropping a goal-kicking halfback um, for the Titans to pick up Ilias. Because I'm with you. I'm I'm on the same page. I really do believe in him. I think he's only going to get better as the season progresses. So, yeah, I love that pick. I really do. Um, and, mate, as it goes on, I'm stu- I'm, I'm forming a, a nice opinion of your, of your team that I'll, I'll touch on at the end. Um, but the next one, uh, number 10 for you, 137 overall. Another guy that, mate, you, did you have a crystal ball when you drafted your team or what? Um, <laughs> Scotty Drinkwater. So obviously didn't get the start um, at the start of the season, but gets the go with the hammer out. And another player that you and I are on the same page with, Fullback, 5'8", dual eligible, that's sexy as fuck. But when we're talking about the differences between Scotty Drinkwater and Hammer, I mean, yeah, Hammer, in open space, you know, everyone's rubbing their dick over him, just going, the Hammer's so quick, you need him in your side. But the fact of the matter is, in real rugby league, Scotty Drinkwater just offers more an attack. He's a silky ball player, got a nice kick on him. Um, You know, you're putting defences in two or three minds when he's got the ball, not just, okay, God, this this guy might beat me for speed on the edge, which you can shut down quite easily in defense so for me he has to be in the side and at the moment scotty Drinkwater, he could average 80 points over the next three rounds because for me on the weekend what i saw from him was a bit of fuck you to todd payton saying i deserve to be in this side i'm going to show you why 
Oh, for sure, mate. I absolutely love watching Drinky the other night. I said to Denon on Monday, we were talking about the Hammer drink water debate, and I said, if Hammer was the exact same pace as drink water, we're not even having this conversation. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. like it's not even it's yeah. not even up for debate. And for me, you can fit Hammer anywhere in this back line and he'll be as effective. Um, so, yeah, I think drink water, the thing about Drinky, as you sort of alluded to, he can beat you in so many ways. And if I'm playing the Cowboys and Drinky's at fullback, I'm heaps more worried about mm-hmm. them uh, than Hammer. So, my drink water pick 10. To, to be honest with you, the, obviously there was rumours then that Drinkwater wasn't going to be in the 17, and I was laughing at them. I thought, there's not a fucking hope in hell Drinkwater couldn't be in this side, and then he wasn't, and they were playing really good. So I've been nervous for the last few weeks, and as I said, so mate... he's still in your side? Yeah, yeah, he's still in there, mate. As I said to you, when, when I wrote it down last week, who's let me down so far... They were Aitken, <laughs> yeah. Staggs, Olukowatu, Drinky. Um, Aitken wow. scored 94 on the weekend. Staggs scored 108. Olukowatu scored 83. And Drinky scored 94 odd as well. So Whew. all the guys I was disappointed with absolutely killed it last week. It is only one week. They all scored tries and were really relevant. But, uh, yeah, mate, I, I genuinely think Drinkwater can hold on to this jersey. And as I said, I left my halves till late. And he's going to solve a massive problem for me now, hopefully. Mate, why wouldn't you have Hammer on the wing? I mean, I know Mazatulangi is a great player, has been playing really well, but if Hammer's part of the future in, in this side, you can put him on the wing. That's where, you know, you can really take advantage of his pace. But also, it sort of teaches him how to roll his sleeves up and get some dirty work done. You tell him, righto, yep, we're going to have you on the edge there. You're going to be able to show us your pace when you get the ball in space. But also, coming out of our own 20 and 30, we want you to roll your sleeves up and, and, and get your hands dirty and make some tough hit-ups. And, and that's going to go a long way for his development as a football player. So, I mean, it's it's so easy for us to sit here, you know, on our couches saying this is how it should be done. But, fuck, this one looks seems like it's the easiest one I've seen in a while. Oh, mate, and, like, people will say, oh, that's a hindsight call. But we, we, we said it all preseason. Hammer's the yep. third best fullback in this squad behind Drinkwater and Val Holmes. Like, yep. I just think the writing's on the wall for this one. Uh, but it is Todd Payton, so God knows what's going to happen here. But I, I think Drinkwater... Unit. Yeah, mate. I, I, I just think Drinkwater's too good not to be in this team. And the time that he's come in now is perfect. He's got two really good matchups. I think he plays the Raiders and the Titans over the next few weeks. So if Drinky can keep just racking up stats, um, I think he stays there. And I think that he's a... Huge point of difference. I, mate, I remember this time last year, the bloke that drafted him, Mike on, he went in round two just for his upside. So for me to get him in round 10, and hopefully he's in a better Cowboys side now, um, absolutely stoked with it, mate. And you have a look at his stats, scored a try and everything. He still came out with 30 base stats, which mm. uh, is unreal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, plenty of runs. And that's what you want to see out of your fullback, 19 runs, which Hammer isn't doing. Um, all right, let's get into the next pick. So pick 11 for you, 144 overall, Jake Avarillo. Um, probably a bit of a specky pick for you at the time, just not really knowing where he's going to fit in the Bulldogs' side. Obviously, 
Um, he's fitting in there at, at center at the moment, available at halfback 5'8". So I'm guessing that this guy is just a bit of depth for you at the moment in your side. What's your thoughts behind Avarillo? Yeah, mate, to be honest with you, I, I, I've, already dro- I've, I, I've already dropped him. So he's not in my okay. side anymore. But at that point, as I said, my, my comp is really deep. I decided I'm going to leave halves and five-eighths till later on. I waited until round nine and ten because there's just nothing doing after that. And you know what? I think I've realized a guy that I, I probably looked around the room and thought, oh, fuck, I, I've, I've got to just get one more guy in case these other guys don't work out. When in reality... I should have just left Avarillo. I could have got him five rounds later, I reckon. So um, yeah. this was my biggest mistake. I sort of thought to myself, look, if I can get another halfback 5A, it'd be handy to have. Maybe I'm wrong about Canterbury. Maybe they're going to look really good. On paper, they look good. So bit of a speculator, um, as, as as I think uh, you just said there. And yeah, this is probably my biggest regret, Avarillo. Um, I had him last year and... With my halves, if I can just get 40 a week out of them, normally my team's really strong everywhere else. I don't like spending big value on my halves unless I'm getting a yep. genuine gun. So, um, yeah, I've already dropped him. I've already moved off him. Um, I picked up someone else off the waiver wire, which we'll talk a little bit later, who's proven to be an absolute weapon for me. So, mate, okay. I honestly, I almost forgot that I drafted um, Avarillo then. I, d- I didn't have him written down on my sheet because he's not in my team anymore. So, I was, I was actually... I, I couldn't actually work out who who you're about to say then. So rattled yeah. you. Oh mate, definitely in the rearview mirror that, that that mistake. But I have to wear that one. Um, I sort of Sweet. got stuck right. in a bit of halves rush. We'll let we'll we'll let him go. And mate, the Bulldogs have been they've been disappointing as a whole anyway. Yep. Like some of the guys that I've picked up um, and the dogs just haven't fired. So yeah, no, good move dropping him. All right, next guy. So twelfth pick overall for you, 165 overall for the draft. Um, a guy that we were both big on after Timmy Williams told us that he was going to start for the Raiders. Matty Tomoko, huge tackle buster here. When he's on, he's on. But we've also seen when he's off, he's off. So there is a little bit of a roller coaster with Matty Tomoko. Um, he has come up a few times in the useless cunt punt segment with guys wanting to know what the hell to do with him. Um, what's your thoughts behind Tomoko? Yeah, mate, he's hit and miss. He's up and down. Um, the reality is that he's my fourth center wing. So uh, when matchups are good, I play him. When they're not, I leave him. Um, he's a guy that if he stays in this team, I'm more than happy to keep him in my draft side and play him when there's a good matchup. If he was to get dropped, as I said, I've got enough CTWs that I could live without him. I think it's good value to have him. Um, he's you know, And he's obviously, you can tell that when the Raiders are actually on, he's one of their go-to points in attack. But... It's just a matter of whether they're fucking on or not. You just never know until about 20 minutes into the game, realistically. And the issue is um, with that left center spot at the Raiders is he is playing outside Jack Whiten, who yep. is a run-first player. So, yes, he is able to make space for his outside men, but he's always looking for a little bit of that chink in the defensive armor, and if he can see it, he'll go again and again, and um, or he'll use Tomoko as a block play. So... Probably a bit of a victim of circumstance there, Matty Tomoko. If he was playing outside a halfback or a 5'8 that really liked to use um, the centers, he'd probably be averaging a little bit more. But that's just, you know, that's just the situation he's in. And like I said, he's your fourth CTW. So, you know, when he's coming up against good matchups, you fire him up and hope he makes 10 tackle breaks and scores a try. I mean, mate, can do. Yeah, exactly right. And at the end of the day, he's, he's a rookie center who's playing in a team that's not going well. In two games, he scored under 20 points, uh, and he's averaging 42. So, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could be better, don't get me wrong, but as you said, for a fourth CTW, uh, I, I'm happy to wear this. He's got upside. Uh, there's a heap of decent matchups to come. His finals runs good in my comp. Dragons, Knights, Manly, Tigers. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm happy to hold him and run with him as my fourth CTW. For sure. All right, mate, let's get into your last starting 13 pick here. And this is 172 overall for the draft, Jacob Saifidi. Really like, if I take my mind back to draft day before the season starts, I would have just gone, fuck, love this pick. Really big on Jacob Saifidi. I think he's going to get a bump in minutes. I think he's going to be a part of this one-two punch, the twin one-two punch. And we're going to see more of what we saw in 2021. It just hasn't sort of come to fruition this year. I mean, Clemmer's played a little bit more minutes. Even with Clemmer out of the side, when I really thought, okay, fuck, we're going to see more out of Jacob Saifidi here, and he is going to score more Supercoach points. We just haven't seen it. Um, it's a bit of a head-scratcher for me. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, but how are you sitting with Jacob Saifidi? Obviously, you would have been really stoked with the pick at the time. What do you think now? Mate, at the time, I thought I've waited really late and I've got a really good front row forward that will mm. get me 50 a week here. Um, I dropped him after week two. As you said, he had a yeah. couple of good minute opportunities to start the season. Uh, I think it was the West Tigers game. He played 47 minutes. He scored 44. And I just thought, you know what? It's not going to get better than that. And I, mm. it was when I dropped him, I made a decision. I am not going to draft. I, I'm not going to waver another front row forward unless... I find someone that I think can genuinely be a 50-55 guy. So since then, I've actually run with only one front rower. Uh, so it means that, that. some... Yeah, so like it means that sometimes I've played with 12. And, and you know what? It cost me a win last week, but it also meant that I've been able to pick up other guys off the waiver wire that have turned out to be really good for me, who we'll, we'll talk about later. But yeah, Saifidi, at the time I was stoked, uh, made the decision really quickly to drop him since then. Um, oh, geez, he would have averaged maybe 42 points and it would have just been a waste of a spot on my team uh, long-term. And, mate, that's just the reality with the front row forward position at the moment. It's disgusting. Um, all right, so we'll just bang out your bench now. So you got Tolatau. Is that how you say his first name? I've never heard it out, out loud. Yeah, Tolatau? Cola. I'm, I'm not sure how to say it either, to be honest with you. Tol- yeah. We'll go with Tolatau Cooler. Yep. Um, the CTW dual fullback from Manly, who seems to be getting starts with injuries, COVID and whatnot in the back line. I do like that pick. Then you had Jack Howarth, your boy, then my boy, Blake Laurie. And to end it, you had Bailey Bayondi Odo. Now, tell me a little bit about these picks. Tell me who's still in your side, who you flicked. Um, hopefully, you've still got cooler. Yeah, mate, cool is the only one I've still got in my side. Uh, Blake Laurie, your boy, uh, just wasn't doing enough for me. I, I think I think I dropped him after front row like, forwards. It's unbelievable. Well, it's mate, I, I, shit. Yeah, I, I actually dropped him and Saifidi in the same week and just went fuck it. Um, I grabbed Max King and I just thought, you know what? If there's an injury in the Canterbury side, Max King will turn into a sixty point guy. Uh, if mm-hmm. not, he's scoring the same as those two anyway. So I've been running with Max King as my only front row forward. Cooler I kept. I think there's a world where he can grab right centre, and I mentioned this earlier. If he grabs right centre, I've got Olakwatu in my side, obviously, so that's a little stack that um, I'll be more than happy to get. The way that he offloads, and then you know, as soon as you get an offload, you're giving it to the fastest guy around you. So I just think that there'll be little opportunities that will pop up there. Um, beyond Iodo, the only reason why I drafted him is because 
I got to round 17 and I didn't have a hooker. I left hooker until the very end. So I, I had to get someone. Uh, he was the only guy that uh, I, I sort of thought to myself, fuck, if there's an injury to one of the Canterbury hookers, he's a guy with upside. We'll see what happens. He was never going to stay in my side. Howarth, um, I was really high on him. Watched him in those trials after I drafted because we drafted pretty early and he was pretty damn disappointing. So I made an early call to let him go. Uh, moved him on, and I, I haven't really uh, looked back since then, mate. So those those late picks, that's where you take your punts. Um, yep. And outside of Cooler, who I think it will pay off long-term, the other ones, I, uh, they, they weren't even punts for me. I had to pick a front row forward. I had to pick a hooker. So those sort of picks, Just they, they were what they were. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's your team, mate. I'll give my opinion on it overall. Obviously, Ryan Pappenhausen is an elite pick, and he's going to go a long way to helping you win your comp. But the thing I like about your team, and this vintage Guru, guys, and I've seen this firsthand playing with Guru in the Legends League, um, which he didn't have to do in that league, but it's so ingrained in how Guru uh, drafts his team, where he drafts to be ahead of the curve. He's drafting to he's not drafting for round one two three four or five or even six maybe he's drafting for seven plus or the finals so some of these picks like tago obviously is a great pick but Ilias, drink water um cooler picks like that that's vintage you bro yeah pick and- those they're specky picks that are now coming to fruition and these picks people are gonna go fuck how did he how did he do that how did he pick these guys and now it's working out for him yeah, and mate, I, 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 as you said, I, I probably didn't have to do it in that champ league, and you're right, I didn't, and it's what it's what cost me realistically. I think I tried to outthink the room in that competition a little bit too much, but yeah, mate, I've got a heap of guys that have come good, and um, yeah, the other thing, like I, I love my waiver wire. That's where I tend to do my my, my best work, and mate, like my waiver's been sensational. I picked up Jeremy Marshall King as my hooker because I didn't have one. He's averaged 58 so far this year, um, considering I didn't even pick a hooker on draft day essentially to get him more than happy with that um max king i mentioned him i've got him the other two big ones for me nat butcher uh in the mm. second row forward i and mate i i, I said it on my podcast the day that i drafted him and i said it to some of the other boys when i drafted him they sort of said oh he won't hold on to those minutes and i went you know what i don't think he will either but if he does you've got an absolute gun who probably would have gone in round four even if you think something's not going to happen some gambles are worth taking, and this was an absolute classic, Nat Butcher. Yeah, that's that's a great pick. All right, well, give us your team now as it stands for round six. Yeah, so as it stands right now, I'm running with Jeremy Marshall King is my hooker. I've got Max King as my front row forward. He's the only front rower I'm carrying, so I've got a blank spot there. Uh, my second rowers are Butcher, Olakawatu, and Nakora. Then my other big draft uh, waiver pickup, which I haven't mentioned, was Brad Schneider. Um, who I think there's a world where he can hold on to this seven jersey for Canterbury. He's averaging 56 so far and a goal yeah. kicker. Um, drink water at six. My centers are Aitken, Targo, Stags, and Cooler. And then I've got Pappy at fullback. Then five guys on my bench Tupanua, Ilias, Tomoko, Naguama, and I'm holding Jordan Piera. I just think them. Mm. If, if there's a world where he can get into this Broncos team, if Staggs ends up going to fullback, uh, sorry, if Cobo ends up going to fullback, all of a sudden I've got Staggs and Piera, and that would just be a dream stack for me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the big thing for your team at the moment is you need Staggs to continue firing like yep. he did on the weekend, and that if it all works out and, you know, what we're saying about Lachlan Elias 
comes true and he does grow into sort of that 55 average player and then Scotty Drinkwater keeps his spot, you're, you're fucking humming, bro. Well, yeah, mate, that, that's the thing. If, if Ilias just keeps doing what he's doing, if he just becomes a 50 guy, I'm stoked with that. And then if one of Schneider or Drinkwater hold on to mm. their jersey, which I, I personally think there's a world where both of them keep their jerseys, um, yep. it could be anything, absolutely anything. I'm sort of praying for an injury down there in Canberra, whether it be hooker or in the halves somewhere. If you know, if a Tom Starling was to go down, you would probably see Fogarty then shift to hooker. Um, yep. Yeah, and Schneider's just improving week on week. I, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best out of him yet either, so... Mate, scary thing on the weekend, he did fuck all and he scored 65. Insane. Mm. Mm. I love it. Yeah, I've got him in, um, I think Walker and I have him in the listener league and yeah, really impressed with, and that was sort of like, yeah, like a whatever sort of pick. So yeah, yeah we've, we've been really happy with him. All right, bro, like you did with me, give me your chances to win the comp out of 10. Mate, out of 10, if 10 being I will win it, I'd probably put myself at about a 7 or an 8. I think I've got a really solid side this year. I think I'm well balanced. Um, I'll back myself to find another one or two good waiver picks as the season goes on. Um, At the moment, I've scored the most points, and I've played without a front rower, you know, so... Uh, there's so much more upside in my team. It's not even funny. I've got guys that have underachieved to some extent. Aitken, Staggs, Olukawatu, Drinky, who hopefully have turned the corner. So, mate, I, I give myself a really good hope. There's a couple of my big guys that don't have the greatest matchups when it comes to finals like Pappy and stuff. Uh, but I give myself a real hope. I think I'm one of the more well-balanced uh, squads in my competition, considering it is a 14-man comp. So... I'd say seven or eight. As you know, I'm a cocky bastard, so I'll give myself an eight out of ten, mate. Nice, bro. Well, let's just fucking hope that this podcast isn't an absolute jinx and one of your best players doesn't go down with an eight-week fucking injury like my team did. After I was going, oh, my whole season's going to rest on Latrell Mitchell. I just need him in fire. He's got he's got a really good uh, matchups coming up in the next ten rounds. You know, he's going to be killing it. And then fucking bang. I mean, fucking Barney Rubble now. I'll give you the hot tip. Yeah, I actually, you know what? I'll probably drop my confidence down to about a one out of ten, mate, because uh, I could just see a super coach god looking at me from the oh, sky, going, man. "I'm coming Jeez. for you, boy." Yeah, weren't so. the weren't the super coach gods just chuckling their little dicks off at me when I was going on about that? Wow, uh, mate, I I had an absolute on beers and break evens. I can't wait for Timmy to come back because my advice last week was sell stags, buy buy Latrell, buy Cody, and I was just oh, sitting there no. on Sunday going. Good God, there could be some a few people getting divorced in Australia this weekend based on their <laughs> fucking Supercoach side and my advice. So, Mate, we can't yeah. get them all right. No, nah, but it, it'd about. be good to get some of them right, you know? <laughs> nice, bro. All right, fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, these two podcasts. Maybe we can do something in the future where we might get some listeners to put their teams up and we can run our eye over them. I don't know. I really enjoyed um, you know, analysing draft day and analysing each pick. Um, it was good, bro. Yeah, no, it's good when you can look at someone else's team and then they can add a bit of context to those picks as well. Uh, it's always because, you know, every comp is so different, especially our two comps are so different, the squad sizes mm. and everything. So it's good to be able to see it in different ways, especially I'm sure there'd be so many guys that listen to our podcast that would have started in an eight-man that is probably now a 12 or 14-man. So it's good to get yeah. a bit of experience in those comps. And in saying that, there'd be a heap of people that would have started at 14 that are probably in eight-man comps now with different squad sizes. So it's always good to get those uh, different perspectives, and especially from us where 
we're just open book. We say exactly why we did things and everything, and you know, you know, the yeah. story always stays the same. We don't change it to, um, s- s- you know, suit the narrative or whatever. So yeah, plenty of positives to take out of this sort of stuff, mate. Hundred percent, mate. And uh, look for anyone listening that isn't following the the rugby league guru. I mean, I don't think there is. Everyone that follows us on the weekly rubdown will be all over your dick. So, but you can find the rugby league guru on wherever you get your socials. You know, listen. You got podcasts coming out of your asshole. Give everyone a bit of a plug on what you got coming up soon, bro. Yeah, mate. There's not much dick to go around there, but uh, if you are <laughs> keen, by all means, come over listen to the guru podcast. Uh, we have the rubdown guys. Probably not on as much as I would like. We're both just so uh, so fucking busy. But, mate, whenever we strike up for content, I always think it's unreal. Yeah, 100%. We need to, to get something going a little bit more concrete, you know, so maybe every couple of weeks or every three weeks, Jeff, definitely with this draft stuff. And the thing is, like, obviously, it's 100% of my content is draft, but... You know, you obviously dip your toe into everything to do with rugby league, but, you know, people forget that you're actually quite versed in in the draft realm as well. So whenever we get you on, you know, um, not fucking blowing smoke up your ass, but you know what you're talking about, bro. Well, mate, at the end of the day, draft, it's my number one passion, realistically. Out of everything rugby league, Supercoach, draft is the thing that I love the most. So, yeah, always love Jumping on the rub down and having you boys on to uh, shoot the shit. Maybe we have to go through uh, Wooker's team in a couple of weeks. We could uh, double team in there. I'd love to. I'd love to <laughs> double team Wooker for sure. And you were just talking about small penises. It's a thing with people that I get on this 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 podcast with small dicks. But anyway, bro, thanks for coming on, mate. And um, yeah, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, brother. Always appreciate it. See you, bro. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com